the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Hour 3 of the Randy Corcoran Program and guest hosted this evening by Matt Dunn, good friend of Randy's. I host Backbone Radio here on Sundays, 4 to 7 p.m. Have done so for some time. And boy, we have put Sunday programming on the map. We've got at Backbone Radio at Twitter, and of course, you don't want to miss the Backbone Radio podcast. We write these nice little summaries of each hour to kind of detail what we talk about in each hour. And some people say they are very well written, they are very well penned, and that they are indispensable even. But before I toot my own horn any longer, stop this, Matt. But you got to promote yourself a little bit. It's very unnatural for me. I uh, I try to make myself do it once in a while. <laughs> but I wanted to get into, yes, Tim Scott, DeSantis, and a few other things. Tim Scott, just to summarize, I'm going to get to totalitarianism first of the administrative state. But... Tim Scott, he's not who you think he is, ladies and gentlemen. He had a few clips with Tucker Carlson yesterday. We'll go through those. Remember, Tim Scott was the primary endorser of Rhino Murkowski in Alaska. Tim Scott was the first guy brought out after the Mar-a-Lago raid by the FBI to say, oh, it's no big deal. Yeah, Tim Scott, he's part of the Mitch McConnell machine, the Rhino establishment machine. Just remember that. I'm just pointing that out. DeSantis is... Just not thriving. The Rolling Stone has this big article that the Murdochs are pulling back from their support on DeSantis because they can, quote, smell a loser. Mm. That's got to hurt. And DeSantis is trying to have a fundraiser with the rich people in the Hamptons. And apparently he has slashed the price of admission. You can get cheap seats now to see DeSantis at the Hamptons. Oh, not going. By the way. DeSantis went to a Dairy Queen the other day, trying to emulate Trump going to a Dairy Queen last week where the crowd was going nuts. DeSantis goes to a Dairy Queen, and it was just, you could hear the sound of a pin drop on the floor. His advisors had him do that, going to a Dairy Queen. Anyway, totalitarianism. We are a very literate crowd around here at 710KNUS. And yes, Boyles reads a lot of books. Dunn reads a lot of books. All the hosts are big readers. Hopefully some of you have read some uh, Jordan Peterson. And what is it? Is it 10 rules for life or 12 rules for life? I have to remember how many rules there are, and I probably need to follow some of them better. But Jordan Peterson, Canadian psychologist, pretty good thinker sometimes, and he talks about totalitarian. He wrote the preface to the Solzhenitsyn Gulag books, which I think, Gulag Archipelago, and I really think Peterson, in a lot of ways, is really worth listening to and paying attention to. And one thing he, he does not go for is lying, the lie, the totalitarian lie. And that's what he says is what totalitarianism, the real feature of it is the lie, the great lie that everybody lives by 100% of the time. 
And just before I play this, do you think, do we live by that here? Do our elites, do our ruling class, do our media, do they live by the lie around the clock? Do they pretend not to know stuff? Are they great pretenders? How much of a lie do we have to live with every single day and all the media content, all of our screen content? Let's hear Jordan Peterson say something here. Totalitarian systems are ruled by a sort of singular, top-down tyrant. Hitler, Stalin, Lenin. It's like, no. A totalitarian state is ruled by the lie. And the lie is the principle of governance, and everyone who lies is complicit in maintenance of the state. And so, you know, the Soviet joke, we pretend to work, they pretend to pay us. And so, the, a totalitarian state isn't the freedom-loving masses pining for uh, deliverance out of the desert but oppressed by the thumb of Stalin. It's every single person lying about absolutely everything to themselves and everyone they love 100% of the time. Food for thought from Professor Jordan Peterson there, The Lie. Regimes live by lies, and I never thought I would see it come to play in America like it has in the last, what, six, eight, ten years? The lies that we are constantly bathing in and how the media just regurgitates them and just recycles them and echo chambers them. And you see, they're de-person, they're de-platformed, they lose their jobs and their perches in the media and in the bureaucracy and everywhere else if they do not abide by the lie and promote the lie and try to live by the lie. And it's kind of funny how sometimes people can internalize this lie and they'll lash out with anger at anybody who does not also internalize the lie. It's a weird psychology. Like, on one level, they don't tell themselves that they're lying to themselves. They don't maybe even realize quite on every level that they're lying to themselves, but they are. They're living by the lies. And then it creates this weird psychological mechanism that someone else who does not live by that lie, boy, you can vent anger at them when you are one who does live by the lie. It's a, it's a very very interesting kind of scenario. Now, Jordan Peterson, you should read Hannah Arendt on the origins of totalitarianism as well. Really fascinating about what are these regimes. And I, I do submit to you that, you know, we're, we're essentially living in one. We are living in a prison. We can not necessarily see our prison bars, but you reach out and I would submit to you, you can touch them. And we live in a country just like Venezuela, where they're trying to trying to prevent Trump, they're arresting him, indicting him, and trying to prevent him from running for office. I see this note here, that um, this tweet, that the RNC might just get around to banning, to not, uh, here's from, uh, from David Giglio, interesting time to start leaking this out after Trump widens his lead, and many in the RNC are starting to fear his primary dominance is inevitable and what they're, what they're leaking out, and this is through Raw Story, RNC could rescind Trump's nomination if he gets convicted of a felony, experts say. Oh, so they're leaking that out. If they can just tag Trump with a felony, convict him with a felony on some D.C. jury, then the RNC will ban Trump from running, just like they do in Venezuela. 
right? Just like they do in what Jordan Peterson was talking about. Stalin's regime, Hitler's regime, Mao's regime. You got to live by the lie. Man, if they try that, it's the end of the Republican Party. If Trump wins the primary, when? It's the end of the Republican Party anyway. And the folks know this. The donors know this. That they have lost the people. They have lost the voters. That the voters are very hard to propagandize the Republican Party. We don't believe their stuff. And we want to pursue our own best interests, which is a thriving middle class. Trade deals that work for us. No more of these endless, ridiculous wars. A border that is secure. And go down the list. Okay? So, yeah, totalitarianism and the economist. You ever read The Economist? Yes, we're a literate crowd. The Economist is the British globalist publication that I've actually read a lot since I was in high school. And I finally realized along the way that they are a globalist bunch of chumps. Anyway, The uh, Economist expresses the globalist fear of Trump's victory and says this, quote, Mr. Trump is favorite to win the nomination in a country where general elections are determined by a few tens of thousands of voters. In victory, a team of practiced demolition experts would prime their explosive ideas. The deconstruction of the administrative state could begin. The vain and tyrannical whims of an emperor, emperor, excuse me, the vain and tyrannical whims of an emperor president would emerge from the rubble. Now, sometimes it's hard to process that when I just read a paragraph, but what they are saying here is the economists, the globalists who are fearing Trump winning, looking inevitable, they're saying that, oh no, Donald Trump is going to dismantle the administrative state. And the administrative state, as we know, the three-letter agencies of the unelected bureaucrats who are really running this country in cohort with the billionaire oligarchs, right? So somehow the economist thinks it's a lot better if the unelected administrative state runs this country because, oh, no, if we didn't have them, we would have the tyrant. Here we are, totalitarianism again. It would be tyrannical... The tyrannical whims of an emperor president would emerge from the rubble. So they don't want Trump to win, and he connects with the voters, connects with the people, connects with the middle class. They don't want that. They want the administrative state, the unelected administrative state to run. And that, to me, is what tyranny actually is, a big part of the tyranny we are actually living in in the United States of America and Europe as well, where the bureaucrats are running the show. you got to understand this. They're going to call it tyranny if Trump wins, but actually, of course, it is the tyranny we are now living under, and they are doing everything to protect the tyranny these people have so painstakingly created as your freedom and your liberty and your constitution has been ever further kicked to the curb. Ned Ryan, pretty solid commentator, gets to the point on this very subject, and this is very proper for the context right now. Listen to Ned Ryan talk, talk about what he's really saying is the current American tyranny. 
Joining us now is American Majority CEO Ned Ryan and former senior advisor to President Trump, founder of American Sorry. First Legal, Stephen Laura Miller. Ingram. Sorry for Ned, Fox. Um, our institutions in this country that the Democrats claim to care so much about preserving and protecting uh, are in precipitous decline. Um, any saving point without a change in the White House? No, I don't think so, Laura. I think the bigger issue, though, is I think the American people are waking up and realizing the, the bigger issue is they can't have representative democracy. You can't have it in this country if you're actually governed by these institutions that are run by unelected, powerful bureaucrats who are separated from the accountability of elected politics. And I think they're waking up yes. to that. I think they're waking up to the snarling, arrogant, dismissive administ administrative state actors that serve itself, that serve and protect its allies, and truly view the American people as serfs and peasants who should listen to their betters, who should do what they say, who should be the ATMs for the ruling class's priorities. And, and I guess the bigger question I have, the fundamental question, I think, in 2024 for the elections is this. What are we going to actually do with this administrative state that has nothing to do with the American people and serving its interests and its priorities? You cannot have a representative democracy and have an administrative state. They do not mix. And I think that's one of the fundamental issues in 2024. And I think the American people are waking up to that. You can see that in this poll. They do not trust these institutions, yep. which, and, which are the administrative state. And I think uh, that's why they really are worried about Trump, that and China. They're very worried about they Trump. Are. Oh, yes, they are. And are these dots connecting? I just I hope I can bring this stuff together in a way that everyone's like, yeah, yeah, dude, whoa. <laughs> That's my goal with this stuff, to understand the tyranny of the administrative state, to understand that the American people, what are we? We get up, we go to work, we work hard, we pay our taxes. Well, we are the ATM for the priorities of the ruling class, of the administrative state. They do not listen to you. They do not listen to me. They do not listen to any of our voices. They want what they want back in the beltway. The billionaires want what they want, and they do not care about you. In fact, they despise and loathe you, your country, your history, your family. They truly do. But you got to cough up your tax dollars. you got to give them your money. So they can, in part, put it in their own pockets and pursue the priorities that they think they should be pursuing. That is, again, getting to the definition of tyranny. That is, again, getting to the definition of living by the lie that Jordan Peterson opened this hour with in that clip. And you'll see the globalists like The Economist say, oh, Trump is a tyrant if he overthrows the administrative state. Do you see how backwards that is? Do you see how dishonest that is? Do you see how the economist is living by that lie, by that totalitarian lie that Jordan Peterson was describing? And that's Maoism. That's Stalinism. That's what went on in Nazi Germany. It's the same kind of stuff, folks, and it's happening here, living by the lie. Yep, that's where we are right now. And I'm not seeing a whole lot of ways out. And if they if they if they try if they try to, like in Venezuela, ban they, Venezuelans they ban their political opponent, the one who is leading in the polls against Maduro. Her name is Machado. They're banning Machado from running against Maduro. They won't let her hold office for 15 years. They're going to try that here, folks. 
And maybe they're going to try to get World War III to really confuse everything. At any rate, uh, I've got more on this. I've got more on this. But let's start saying some hellos. And Carly in Highlands Ranch, thank you for checking in and welcome. I really hadn't planned on calling this week. However, when you brought up the note. We're glad you did. Well, thank you. But you've been off in my neighborhood till just like five minutes ago. (laughs) Oh, did you see all those cars out there at the swim meet? No, no, I'm saying the station has been off. Oh, we've been off. Okay. Yeah, well, anyway, okay. you're back. Yeah, oh, okay, I see what you're saying, and we apologize well, for missed, that. I have missed what the note said, so if you have time, will you please read it again? But the reason Got I it. was calling is because when, um, <clears throat> okay, my mom passed away the night before President Trump gave his State of the Union address in um, 2019. And she adored President Trump. And obviously I was just grief-stricken and all this, but I wrote him a letter outlining how much she was looking forward to hearing, you know, watching his speech. And do you know, I got, and I've worked on both campaigns, but I've never met him. He doesn't know me. But do you know that I got a sympathy card from him and Melania? Wow. I know. I mean, wow. it's like those prized possessions. I also had a Christmas card the first time, you know, we ran, but that's the site. But I couldn't believe, anyway, so if you could read that, I would really appreciate it. Yes, indeed. I read read the note that Donald Trump wrote to to Randy Corcoran on the loss of Randy's wife. Right. And why don't I do that at the end of this hour? Thank you. Why don't I do that then? Yes. I I think that would be good to do that more than once, just in case... We have you know, I don't a power tell- outage in Highlands Ranch, and exactly. we did send Blake up the tower with a wrench, and you got it fixed, right? Good job, Blake. Okay. And I don't tell that to a lot of people because it always has to be getting into a conversation about Trump, and then I decide whether or not I'm going to tell him. But it's simply to say, hey, this is a side of this man you need to know about. And now I'm probably millions of people are hearing this, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah, and that's the kind of things that Donald Trump does you know right. yes he doesn't know you but you know you know he's looking out for you and you know that he cares about you you do know that kind of stuff but i believe it the the other folks up there on the state the other folks running dc that that does not apply and it just comes off in everything they say and do and the way they they hurl insults and epithets at the american people or their political opponents in the media constantly right deplorables you know, to begin with that's hillary got that ball rolling right oh yeah and uh I know Mike Pence has been uh, run over the coals. I could do it again, but I won't bother. But I happened to see a little bit of DeSantis today. That man is dry as dust. I mean, he inspires <laughs> nothing. Yeah. yeah, and you can get tickets to rich people to meet him in the Hamptons. It's it's like uh, deep discounts to see DeSantis now. And somebody sent in a <laughs> somebody sent in a Texas studio meatballs half off. Meatballs half off. Get them while you can. <laughs> Yeah, so they, you know, and the Murdochs are saying they can smell a loser. I, I might do the DeSantis update and I take a. You are so good. I'm, I'm serious. You could have a second career as a comedian because I, I laugh when I'm listening to you. I'll tell you. You know, we just somehow we're joking around a lot more lately, and I don't know why that is, but maybe we'll just keep that up, Carly. <laughs> Look forward to hearing that, Matt. So right, that. right on. Okay. Well, okay, Carly. Hey, love to hear your voice when you check in. Stay close with us if you would. And, I will. I'll be listening. Um, and, okay, and yeah, we'll we'll do that note before the program, before this hour 
is okay. over. It's very touching, and it's very Trump. And by the way, I said Trump had that big rally in Pickens, South Carolina last week, and then there he is sending notes to the police force in Pickens, South Carolina, to the sheriff. I heard and, you say that before you... Know, he, he was like reaching out to them and just checking in with them and saying, thanks for a good job. And, you know, the, some of the officers were like, hey, gosh, wow, we've never well, had this before. Well, we've had rallies here for so long. We, we, we work at these and we, you know, keep security and all that. And, wow, Trump, like, reaches out to us. And they were blown away by it. Well, it's like I said something. last week when you were criticizing because he didn't know what a blizzard was, he connects... <laughs> yes more with middle america than anyone i've ever seen in my life yeah and that's what's got the unloved ruling class and all the other candidates just fit to be tied because they can't be loved they can't connect they just can't do it and desantis is really getting a lesson in that he just doesn't have it drives dust and by the way the what the hell is a blizzard from trump when we come back how about uh, DeSantis also went to a Dairy Queen in Iowa. Okay, oh, I and, hadn't heard that. Yeah, okay. so and I'll, I'll do the quote, the clip of "There's DeSantis in a Dairy Queen." Look His at- advisors actually had him do that, and it was like this ghost town, oh and it was quiet, and it was so awkward. Especially <sighs> after Trump just had this raucous crowd, he was handing out blizzards, and he didn't know what they were. But he was okay. handing them out. <laughs> so, oh my god, he's such a natural. So I'll be yeah. looking. For you that. bet, you bet, Carly. Okay, and thank you. Bye. And it is Matt Dunn in for Randy Corcoran. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It is the Randy Corcoran program, and Matt Dunn sitting in. Looking forward to being back here tomorrow, four to seven p.m. And I just, I'm leaving a huge stack of stuff on the on the table here. I didn't have time to get to it. We just start joking around. You know how it is. And then you have to leave some of the absolutely pivotal, moving, devastating information we have sitting here on the table. But I'll bring a little bit in. I was talking to Carly just now about they actually had DeSantis go into a Dairy Queen in Iowa. I'm amazed at this. And there was, like, nobody was really in there and nobody was really caring about it. And, again, what contrast with Trump in the Dairy Queen last week with a great crowd just clapping, yelling, America first, loving Trump, you know, and then his advisors actually sent DeSantis into a Dairy Queen. Mm. Let's hear what that sounded like. Here is the DeSantis Dairy Queen attempt to copycat Trump scenario. Does it work? Hey, Governor, is this still just between you and Trump right now, you think? Just watch. Just watch. I'll tell you this, um... You know, being in Iowa, we really should be thankful as Republicans that they have such a great governor here and Governor Reynolds. Uh, she's done a fantastic job. She just had a huge victory uh, signing the, well, she's going to sign today the, the heartbeat bill. But she's done so much over so many different issues to make this one of the best governed states in the country. So I'm happy to, to, to support her efforts here and really hold her up as a great model for a lot of Republicans around the country. Did you worry about Tim Scott? I'm worried about anything, man. I, uh, I, we got a, we got a plan. Are you worried that farmers coming out of Florida? There you go. Um, and I hope you could hear all of that. Are you worried about Tim Scott? Asked the reporter in the Dairy Queen. I'm not worried about anything. We've got a plan. Oh, you see, he's got a plan, and he looks, he just looks awkward, and he looks uncomfortable, and he says he's got a plan. Okay, a plan to avoid single digits in the polls. I think is that the plan. That he has. And you could hear the sounds of like the blizzard machines or whatever they are in the background of that Dairy Queen. But people? No. But 
you notice that, that the reporters are asking them, are you worried about anyone else that's like coming up on your heels about to overtake you in the polls, Ron? Are you getting worried? No, I have a plan. Does that sound convincing to you? And there he is talking about Governor Kim Haley of Iowa, who did endorse Donald Trump, or did endorse uh, DeSantis. And why'd you do that? The RGA, the Republican Governors Association, enforces rigidly that you cannot endorse Trump. They're going to be really, really pushing the establishment line on all that. So Kim Reynolds had no choice. And, oh, she's going to regret that DeSantis endorsement. Oh, ooh. And she was forced into it, in my opinion. And you can see all these clips of Governor Reynolds speaking favorably, glowingly of Donald Trump in his trips to Iowa. And by the way, Donald Trump is blowing the field away in Iowa. I think he's up near 60% in Iowa, which is pretty uh, impressive. And so, yeah, just embarrassing and awkward to go into a Dairy Queen. Okay, and I said this, that the Rolling Stone has this big article, that the Murdochs, they run Fox News, Wall Street Journal, New York Post. You know, the Murdochs, what Steve Bannon calls the scumbag foreigners, the Murdochs. Yes, the ones who fired Tucker Carlson and lost half their audience and who basically don't let Trump grace their airwaves. The Murdochs just somehow hate Trump because, you know why they hate Trump? It's because the Murdochs are scumbag foreigners. That's what I, that's what I have concluded. <laughs> and anyway, so... That uh, That is where that one is. And, yeah, you can get cheap tickets to see DeSantis at the Hamptons. Yeah, uh, yeah, the Rolling Stone, they can smell a loser. Murdoch start to sour on DeSantis. So they're wondering about Tim Scott. Who, you're looking at Tim Scott, you know. And, by the way, so DeSantis talking to Tucker yesterday at the uh, Blaze thing. By the way, apparently Trump just spoke for an hour and a half at the TPUSA, the Charlie Kirk thing. He just spoke for an hour and a half, had some updates, text the studio saying it was a great hour and a half speech. We'll cover that tomorrow on Backbone Radio. But uh, DeSantis was asked about Ukraine. And he said, you know, the question was, what are you going to do to end the war? And you'll, do you hear DeSantis answer this here? Listen to this one. So you inherit this mess a year, from, year and a half from now, say... And let's just say it's static. It's where it is right now. What do you do about it? Like, what, How do you one, act? One, Europe needs to do more. This is their backyard. We, can't, we have NATO countries that don't produce support for their own defenses. And we're supposed to do it, and we're taking away weapons and ammo that could go to respond to contingencies overseas. So we would do more in terms of the Pacific. And he doesn't answer the question, you know. He, what he does is he's flip-flopped on Ukraine, and he's he knows that that was uh, really hard on his support, and we saw him as the phony he was when he flip-flopped on Ukraine and went full establishment at the Mike Pence level even. Yeah, um, but um, he says, well, we need to have Europe pay their fair share, Europe do more. Yeah, well, see, again, that's aping another Donald Trump thing where he wanted – the European nations to actually do fulfill their obligations for NATO funding. That's what DeSantis was trying to get at, and he sort of halfway sort of got to it. And again, I watched that whole thing, and I think DeSantis looks like he was amped up on something. He was different. He's usually a lot more reticent, and he was a little spastic. And I noticed if you if you watch the tapes, he was clutching his pen, and his hands were moving on his pen in a in an awkward nervous manner. So 
DeSantis is just not having a good time. Just not having a good time. And they're asking him about, ooh, who's going to be the next DeSantis now that DeSantis has blown it? Is it going to be Tim Scott? Is it going to be um, – who's the governor of Virginia? Who's that guy? I think his name gets floated out some where the billionaires might – Glenn, Glenn something. The uh, They're going to – billionaires looking where they can park their money because they're smelling a loser with DeSantis. And, yeah, that's just not fun. Not fun for them. And by the way, Florida news, local news, Fox 13 Tampa has this little clip that's been a little modified into a meme that I found. Reports say Governor DeSantis is weighing a major strategy shift for his campaign. It comes as his poll numbers continue to lag far behind the Republican frontrunner, front former President Trump. It comes as his poll numbers continue to lag far behind the Republican frontrunner, front former President Trump. Now, unlike his competitors, DeSantis has really avoided making appearances on more mainstream channels. Instead, he's stuck to conservative-leaning outlets that ultimately... Well, they hit him with some softer questions that ultimately, well, they hit him with some softer questions. His strategy so far is not moving his poll numbers in the right direction. Earlier this year, several polls had DeSantis pulling within single digits of Donald Trump, but that's definitely not the case anymore. In fact, the more energy he's put into his presidential campaign, the more he's fallen behind Trump. In fact, the more energy he's put into his presidential campaign, the more he's fallen behind Trump. He's still second among Republican candidates, but an increasingly distant one, but an increasingly distant one. Trump now has a 32-point lead over DeSantis. Trump now has a 32-point lead over DeSantis. And let's and uh, call that one, but you get the idea. That's Tampa 13, the local Fox News there. And somebody got that clip and they repeated some of the phrases more than once, like DeSantis is imploding, DeSantis is not doing well. You see what I mean? They, they were just trying to emphasize for effect some of those. So I thought that might be a little awkward to play, but I thought it was at least capturing the vibe. That sort of empty Dairy Queen vibe. I've got a plan. Yeah. You can get cheap seats to see me in the Hamptons. I don't know. It's just not having it, folks. I know I'm a little harsh, but I'm I'm very disappointed in that guy. He's not who he said he was. He's not a MAGA person. He is not. Let's say hello now, if we could, to Holly in Aurora. And Holly, thank you for checking in. Welcome. Hi, Matt. How you doing? Doing all right. Thank you. Good. Good. I told Blake, um, I was thinking, I hadn't thought of it before, and then when Randy lost Tanya, yes, I was like, oh, my gosh. And, um, but then a few weeks after that, I was kind of like going, gee, you know what? He's acting kind of, and even maybe the rest of the family, I feel like, uh, the Lord might have given me a little insight that Tanya was more the hub of the wheel. And I think most of us thought Randy was kind of the hub because it seemed like everybody sort of, spoke off of him that was his family and stuff but i think maybe they all spoke off of her um well if you know what i'm talking about by golly and i I guess i wouldn't know where to where to speculate on that but i know that you know the good strong matriarch of a family Mm -hmm. and an extended family i mean Mm -hmm. i i i think that it's the moms it's 
it's the wives that are are the hub. They 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 really are, and you know we husbands just uh, fritter around the edges, and if we're <laughs> if we're good, we'll we'll re- respond quickly to um, requests to get things done, right? Um, well, and I think you know it kind of shows like that right after the first and the second, you know, uh, surgery and stuff. Then she was feeling kind of better, and then they and they said, well, gee, yeah, you can you can leave the hospital, and so she was ready to go shopping. And she was ready to do this, and she was ready to do that. And I think Grandy just kind of went, oh, she's going to make it. Again, she's going to make it. Yep. And then all of a sudden, boom, you yep. know, she had another aneurysm, and down she went, and they couldn't save her. And I think he's lost. I think he's just does not know what. But I wanted to ask a favor of you, too. Yes, ma'am. I wanted yes, to, ma'am. I wanted um there was a man that used to work for uh, KNUS just for a short time, but nonetheless, he used to be uh, a host also at a different radio station before he came to K- KNUS at, over at um, Colorado Christian University. They had their own um, radio station, KWBI, and hmm. um, he was a, um, like, well, you know, like a, a disc jockey kind of thing and he ran the um uh request night on friday nights for us and i used to listen to that um radio yeah, station that's a lot. great anyway anyway his name is uh mark howington the third and you may remember that he worked for the news part of KNUS for just a short period of time while hmm. you were there but you know not very long ago but anyway he came up with a song that was very popular with the Christian community, and I, I know that a lot of these listeners will remember this song. When Mother Teresa died on the operating table, so many of us were just devastated. We just were, oh my gosh. And he found this song that was real popular at that time and played that for us after the um Do you memorial. recall the name of the song? I think I do. I don't remember who sang it, but I and I think Mark will remember too. Maybe you can ask him. But the song was called "If You Could Only See Me Now." Okay. If you could only see me now, it's such a great song because um, everybody knew. You know, I mean, um, Mother Teresa was such a little person, and she was so humble. And she would always say things like, you can't do great things. You can only do little things with great love, you know, with the Lord's great love oh, and yes. stuff like that. And but but that song says, if you could only see me now, you would see me walking tall and whole and strong. If you could only see me now, you'd never want me to leave this beautiful place. Wow, and so the, I think the song. Well, might I need to look that up. Actually, Holly. heal the family. Yeah, I need to look that up. And as you know, I I play a Alexa sacred song. Yeah, I play a sacred song every uh, every Sunday on Backbone yeah. Radio. The last yeah, yeah, the last yeah. song, and that would be perfect yeah. for that scenario. It would, yes. and then we can just get the uh, corporates to listen. That would be fantastic. Well, and, and I, yes. Alexa should have it. Alexa, you know that. Um, thing that you can just call it up and by the name oh yeah alexa yeah. should have it oh yeah we've got access really to all of time. that okay holly and 
All right, and I again, See, I am pushing pretty far through uh, for a commercial oh, timeout, but okay. um, I just want to say, Holly, thank you, and in prayer, you we bet. hear what you're saying, and we yeah. send again prayers to the entire corporate and we'll and if you can family. get it tomorrow, we'll pray tomorrow, and all of us will be collected. That'll be great. I'm going to dig, and we might we might we might put Blake on the case, and when, when we do that, yeah. I mean, we get results. So yeah. anyway, and Holly, more, the Lord is there. Amen. Yeah. Amen, Holly, in Aurora. Thanks, Thank you. Matt. Stay Thanks. close with us. Mm-hmm. Stay close. Matt Dunn in for Randy Corcoran. And let's just take a break on that note. Be right back. Welcome back. Final segment of the Randy Corcoran program. Matt Dunn in. And again, I'll be in here tomorrow, 4 to 7 p.m. And I've got to, uh, I'm going to have to get to all the stuff I have not yet gotten to here this evening. Caller Carly did want to hear the Donald Trump letter that was sent to Randy Corcoran after the loss of his wife and soulmate, Tana. And I thought I would just read that here. I read it in the second hour, but for listeners who were not uh, not on board, we did have some, apparently our tower wasn't reaching a certain spot or two. I think we're all back in gear now. But from Donald J. Trump to Mr. Randy Corcoran, Centennial, Colorado, June 20th, 2023. Quote, Dear Mr. Corcoran, I recently learned of the loss of your beloved wife, Tana. Melania and I send our deepest condolences to you and your family. Tana will always be remembered for her dedication to her community, unwavering love for our country, and a steadfast devotion to your family. We pray you continue to find comfort in the many wonderful memories you have shared with your wife and in knowing that future generations of your family will carry on her legacy of love and devotion. We will continue to hold you and your family in our thoughts and prayers for abiding comfort and peace. May God bless you and keep you always. Sincerely. Donald J. Trump assigned assigned a signature there on that note. So just wanted to share that as, yes, um, I am sitting in guest hosting for my friend Randy Corcoran on this evening, this evening's program. And I've been in several times uh, when I am able to drop by and we are sort of in this holding pattern with Randy. And we we do look forward to his uh, his coming back and and just joining the melee and becoming part of this noble, noble fight again with a nation that is on the line. But, the, you know, you got to take take the time, take all, all the time that you need, Randy. And we, our prayers are with you, and we fully understand, uh, uh, yes, that situation. At any rate, so... Yes, I'll be back tomorrow again, 4 to 7 p.m. And one thing I maybe wanted to get into, uh, should I save this for tomorrow? Should I save it? What do you think, Blake? I should. All right. Just right. I'll just, it's, it's a teaser. Part of this Jordan Peterson thing that I started this hour with about talking about the lie, the lie of totalitarianism and living by the lie in those regimes, Stalin, Mao, the rest of them, and... I would submit to you we're even doing that here, the lies of the media. But um, on the culture wars, Dr. Peterson 
writes this, adds this. The right lacks vision. They play a rear guard game. They don't have a compelling story to tell young people. And because the right is conscientious, conservatives are conscientious. It's easy to hoist them on the petard of guilt. And the psychopathic narcissists of the radical left are unbelievably good at doing that. Now, I don't know if that makes sense exactly the way that quote came off. But what Jordan Peterson is saying is that conservatives and people of the right tend to be a lot more conscientious people. So many of us more faith-based kind of people. And conscience's conscious conscience is a lot more vivid and maybe more real in people who are conscientious. And so this is a little bit of a trait, I think. And I've talked about this before in the Republican voting electorate, where we are very good at feeling guilty about stuff. Very, very good. And the people on the left that Dr. Peterson calls psychopathic narcissists are very good at exploiting that guilt. The media is very good at exploiting that guilt. And again, of course, it's not a two-way street. If a Republican candidate says something that, oh, was maybe a little off, oh, I feel so guilty. But a left-wing political figure does something that's even more off, 10 times more off. The left doesn't sit around feeling any guilt about that. And the right does not try to really point that out, that they should be feeling guilty about this. And I just, this is kind of a broader point in that when Mitt Romney was running for the president, see, in 2012 and lost to Obama, gave us Obama. And my gosh, Romney, what a disaster of an individual. I cannot stand that guy. And what a burden he has been to have barnacled to the Republican Party ever since. He's despised in Utah, by the way, which is saying something. But do you remember when he had that debate against Obama and he referred to binders of women? They were saying, oh, how come you don't hire enough women in your companies? And he said, well, I have binders of women. You know, he's hired a lot of women in his company. I think, you know, did just fine with, with that. And... But the way he said binders of women, the media pounced on him, pounced on him, and that helped maybe drag him down in the polls or whatever. And, of course, he did everything else wrong, and he's kind of a phony too, right? But I just remember being in here on the radio and people, Republican voters are hanging their head. Oh, we'd be doing so great if only Mitt Romney hadn't said binders of women. Oh, oh. And... Oh, the media was going for that. And then that's what Republican voters always do. We love to, like, say, oh, we could have won, but, oh, no, he said binders of women. And then the same thing with every other candidate, every other Republican. And the same thing happens with Trump. It's like, oh, golly, Trump would have won. But he just he had that tweet that was uh, maybe a little bit rude or maybe it was a little harsh. Oh, no. Does that make sense, what we're being exploited with here? Is that the left knows exactly how to push the buttons of conscientious people, which tend to congregate on the right. And on the left, man, they just do not have that burden. And they're not asked to live with that burden by, of course, their complicit 
media. Does that make sense? Is that, is that registering? And you have to understand that all of that is meaningless. <laughs> all of that is meaningless. Whenever they say, oh, Trump's mean or the mean tweets or you got to be nice to run for the political office, you got to be nice. No, no, no. That's not it. That is the left trying to exploit your tendency to feel political guilt. What Dr. Jordan Peterson describes as conservatives are conscientious. Yes, it is easy to hoist conservatives on the petard of guilt. We love nothing more. So many of these conservatives sit around feeling guilty about X, Y, or Z because the media told you to feel guilty about that. And there are some people, conservative voters, I think we're fewer and fewer, fewer, who are, you know, just, we're not buying that. But yet there, there is that little strain, and you can see the people out there who kind of, they don't believe some of the propaganda, but they do believe some of it, and they just feel like you got to be nice. You got to be nice. You got to just at all times be nice when you're running for the presidency, and you have to do everything just right. And if you do everything just right and you say all the right things and you have all the right tweets and you say all the right words and you don't make any mistakes, that's how you're going to win. And we need to find somebody who's going to do that and not make any mistakes and say all the right things and never do anything that's not nice. And that's how you win. But do you see how that whole construct is false? Do you see how your minds have been manipulated into that construct? I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes sense. And I think that's what that triggered in me when I saw Jordan Peterson on the one hand talking about how totalitarians thrive on the lie and how conservatives are just so easily hoisted on the petard of guilt. And by the way, Joe Biden, no guilt in that dude. I mean, he just slips and slides around. And when he debated Paul Ryan, remember that one? That was back in the 2012 campaign as well. He was lying all over the place and just rubbing it in Ryan's face and Ryan, maybe a little, he didn't even know what to do. But you see, there's no guilt. There's no, there's no remorse in these people. They are running you over. And the more they can make you feel guilty about anything, it just helps them run you over. Anyway, I'm going to do more on that tomorrow because I think it's interesting. Anyway, hey, Matt Dunn signing off for the Randy Corcoran program. Talk soon. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn with in-depth interviews archival footage and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines i just felt like i was drowning flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost available now watch it today go to salemnow.com salemnow.com